I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the Disney-themed podcast for NPR Community Voices and the Front Row Network. I am your host, Craig, and with me today, I have my co-host, Brett Rutherford. Hello. And Vanessa Ferguson. Hello. First, we want to say that this is a truly special episode, and we are so grateful for you for checking this out. Uh, If you are first time listening to the podcast because of our amazing guests, make sure you go back and listen to all the previous interviews that we have, and of course, all the Disney fun that we bring you on every Friday. We can't wait for you to listen to this interview that we are so excited to have today. We are talking today to Disney legend, Jody Benson. Wow. Right? Right, Brett? Wow. Yes. Wow. I'm like going, wow. Very excited. And it is uh, so appropriate, Vanessa, because last week we talked about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and now we get to go under the sea with Ariel herself. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. We found ourselves a mermaid under there. Brought her back (laughs) up to the surface. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are just so excited to talk to Jody today, uh, and we want to get into that. But before we do, uh, just a refresher on a bit of her biography. Jody Benson is a native of Rockford, Illinois, and has received worldwide recognition and critical acclaim as the voice of Ariel in the Academy Award-winning Walt Disney animated feature film, The Little Mermaid, as well as the bubbly voice of the tour guide Barbie in Disney's Toy Story 2, which went on to win the Golden Globe for Best Picture. For Warner Brothers, she created the spirited voice of Thumbelina, a Don Bluth animated feature in 1994 with songs by Barry Manilow. Ms. Benson received a Tony Award nomination and a Helen Hayes Award nomination for Best Actress in a Musical for creating and starring in the role of Polly Baker in the Tony Award winning Broadway Ira Gershwin musical Crazy for You. In 2011, Jody Benson was named a Disney legend. We can't wait to give you our interview with Jody Benson. We are so thrilled and honored to welcome to Beyond the Mouse and NPR Illinois Community Voices podcast, Jody Benson. It's so nice to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's nice to to hang out with you guys on Zoom. (laughs) Absolutely. And of course, a Rockford native. So uh, it's nice to have a a fellow Illinoisan on the podcast. Yes, absolutely. So thrilled. We're going to start right away with our questions, and I'll let Vanessa take the first question. Well, Jody, we've all watched Howard, and I'll try to ask this question without tearing up. (laughs) And those for uh, for those who haven't watched it yet, that's the documentary about the life of Howard Ashman, and that's on Disney Plus. So, in watching that, we found out so much about your early career story before your Little Mermaid experience with the and uh, your experience with the musical Smile. That was great to learn about that. It's such a wonderful and poignant film, and we wanted to ask you what was it like to revisit such an important part of your early career and talk uh, also about working with Howard Ashman. Right. Well, the documentary is absolutely beautiful, really breathtaking, but it was very difficult to sit down and watch it. I, I tried the first time and I I had to take a break and kind of wrap my mind around it, grab my husband and then tried it another evening to sit down because we had a rough cut from Don Hahn. And he's like, I think it's really important for you to see this and see where I'm going with this film. And, you know, it, 
it's so exciting because I, I'm thrilled that people will get to know Howard, all parts of Howard, not just the genius, the creative, the talented, his work side, but his loving and kind, empathetic side. You know, he was a perfectionist as well as a genius. And so people sometimes interpreted him being a little bit rough around the edges or being a little bit controlling and those aspects of him are are so minuscule in comparison to his heart and that's what i was most excited about the documentary is that people would now be able to fall in love with howard not just for the talent and all of his uh, amazing gifts but to really get to know a piece of who he was as a person and he was empathetic and he was very, very compassionate. Yeah, and I especially loved your interview on the D23 Inside Disney celebrates Howard Ashman. Uh, it was just great to hear about your experiences and, and recording. So I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to all the listeners. Make sure you yes. watch that because that was yes. really great as well. Yeah, well, it was, it's, it's just a wonderful season right now to be able to share um, the story of, of my experiences of working with Howard and knowing Howard and, and feeling so blessed and so privileged to be able to work with him, not only on a Broadway show, but as well as, as the Little Mermaid. So I feel very thankful that I've had those opportunities with him. And speaking of Broadway, we all know uh, how talented you are as a stage. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And so Brett has a question uh, that he'd like to ask about some of your Broadway career. Well, in 1992, you were there, you know. But in 1992, <laughs> you played Polly the Tony, in the Tony Award-winning Best Musical Crazy for You. You had right. such an amazing cast with Harry Groner and Bruce Adler, Jane Connell, which I love, and yes. who I love, and Beth Lovell, who I yes. love too. And the <laughs> Stroman choreography. Right. Wow, that's so exciting. What was your Crazy for You experience like? Oh, my gosh. A dream come true a dream come true from the very, very first day until my final show. I loved that job. I loved going to work every single day. I loved my cast, the experience, no matter what kind of mood you were in, I could go to the theater and know that we were just pouring joy out over to our audience. And there was something so magical about looking out into the audience singing someone to watch over me and to sing, but not for me. And I got rhythm and embraceable you and watch people reach for a hand of a loved one. And it just gave them the opportunity of two hours and 45 minutes to sort of forget about their life and to just soak in this beautiful music, this hysterical show and just kind of forget and it was a privilege to get to be part of that production for for that time period and something that I will never probably ever experience again it was my last Broadway show and it was the way to to make that transition because I knew this was the icing on the cake this was my childhood dream I mean to create a role in such a beautiful, beautiful musical that was way ahead of its time with Stroh's choreography. And to take the, that, that award, you know, to have the best musical award just doesn't get any better than that. So it was perfect. 
it was perfect in every way. It really was. Well, and and your Tony nomination for best actress in a musical. I mean, oh, that's, or, that was yeah, that was. I mean, it was such a lovely, lovely gift to have a nomination, and I wasn't expecting a nomination, and of course, never would have expected uh, that. And of course knew that I wasn't going to win, but what I loved about it, it was just a lovely gesture of the committee saying, you know, we've, we've recognized your hard work. And so I just savored that whole award season and enjoyed it, enjoyed the relationships, getting to know the other wonderful nominees. And it was, it was really a magical time. That's so good. Well, you know, Faith Prince is Adelaide. Well, blast that Faith Prince and that Adelaide. Oh, no, no, no. We all knew. We all knew that even before our shows opened. I don't, you know, it's just one of those things in New York that when the seasons begin and the shows start to open, I don't know what it is. They already kind of know what's going to happen. And, but we did not know that we would win Best Musical. But when we were placed in first position to open the Tony Awards, that's when we kind of went like, oh, I, I bet we have a shot at it because they normally don't give the first opening position to a show that, that may not be recognized that night. But we thought they put us in that position to recognize Stroh, which we already knew hands down that she would win for best choreography. But we didn't have a clue that we would win best musical and we went crazy. That was a really, really <laughs> exciting night. And it's such a fun show. I mean, I had the opportunity to perform it here locally in Springfield at the Muni. And and it just, it's one of those shows that, you know, that final number uh, of the first act is just, it's so great and so powerful. And and it it just fun, just escapism. It's it's an amazing eight minutes of sheer brilliance and a marathon to do eight times a week. And I just, oh my gosh. Yeah. I got rid of this just spectacular. There'll there'll never be another production number like that. We are, you know, of course, we we got to learn a little bit about the story of the transition from Smile to uh, going out to L.A. and working on The Little Mermaid from the Howard documentary. But I just wanted to talk to you about what that experience is like being a Broadway actress and then moving into film and doing voice work uh, and and how that evolved for you and sort of that whole experience. What was that like creating Ariel before the world knew Ariel? Right. Well, when I, when I got the job, it was about a year later and I actually forgot that I had auditioned for it because so much life had gone on during that time. And so my agent kind of paged me and I was at, you know, 14th and Broadway with my roll of quarters and my backpack and called the payphone from my beeper. And she's like, Oh, you got Ariel. I'm like, what? Who's that? What's that? I totally forgot what it was that I had gotten. And then I started flying back and forth between New York and Los Angeles. And I was doing a Broadway show actually with Sam Wright, who played Sebastian. So we thought that was pretty funny that we both got cast and we were doing this, you know, flop of a Broadway musical, Cy Coleman's last Broadway show together and then flying back and forth. Well, actually, I think Sam was taking a train because he was afraid to fly. But um, I would tell people and they'd be like, oh, you're doing voiceover. Voiceover wasn't really very popular back then. And it wasn't a very good job to have. So I kind of stopped talking about it when I would go back and forth and, you know, never thought that we would be announced. It would just roll the credits and you're done and go back and do eight shows a week on Broadway, which is what I did. So 
right before the film came out is when I got the call saying, will you go on press tour? And I'm like, why, why would you want to do that? <laughs> and, um, you know, just roll the credits and no one would even know who Ariel was unless you stopped your VHS and, and looked at the names. Um, so yeah, that's when we kind of got the, the idea that something's going on with this particular mm -hmm. film that's bigger than what we had anticipated. Cause I thought it was a one and done. And here we are 34 years later, still talking about it. And, uh, you know, I've been with the company now for forever and still a cast member. And it's just, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. You know, that's uh, really interesting that you bring that up because uh, I was speaking to my wife about this interview and how excited I was to get to talk to you. And she said, well, I don't know that you fully understand that Ariel was like every little girl's friend growing up. You know, what, right. what, uh, what our, our son's generation is thinking of as Elsa and Anna. That was you. Right. You were so yeah. many little girls and boys and right. just uh, that amazing amount of impact that that film ultimately right. ended up happening. You were yeah. the first, uh, you were, you were the first more modern day Disney right. princess. So yeah. can you talk about sort of your reference point for how you right. got into that character and, and what, how that worked? It is, it's, it's pretty, Unbelievable. It's really overwhelming when I think about the legacy that we're on our fourth generation now for our film. And you had Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, and Cinderella, and then a whole lot of time went by, and then you have Ariel. So realizing that now, and of course at the time, had no concept of that, had no concept that feature animation had been moved off the lot, that there was a huge transition going on, that um, the studio was in, in a season of a little bit of chaos and trying to figure everything out. I had no idea what was riding on our particular film. So it's, it's been so wonderful, you know, to see this, this growth and this journey. And um, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful I got to go along for the ride. And as far as how to develop Ariel, that's a simple question is Howard Ashman. I, I used his cassette of Part of Your World his, his rendition of it is absolutely perfect. The way that he, the nuances, the way that he could breathe, the way that he could interpret her. And, um, you know, Ariel is Howard, ultimately. And I just was really good at, at copying him and <laughs> doing what I was told. And I, I give him full credit. And Ron and John, as our directors, were awesome to step aside and had no ego whatsoever to let Howard be my, my sole director for my lines and my vocals and uh, everything. You know, he was in the studio with me for everything. Everything has his stamp on it. And um, that's really, really, really beautiful. So I'm, I'm always yeah. thrilled. So I, I can't take any credit for Ariel. Uh, I, just, uh, I just listened really well. <laughs> To my I mentor like and my director. Could, yeah, maybe you could take just a little bit of credit for that. I mean, no, not really. You know, <laughs> okay. Part of, uh, particularly part of your world. Just, uh, I mean, so such an incredibly empowering and wonderful song. Uh, and and you know, your your voice monologue. is so beautiful well, uh, with thank that. You. It's yeah. a a beautiful story song, a beautiful monologue that happens to be put to pitch and. Once Howard trained me to stop singing and over singing and projecting and making everything perfect like I was on stage doing a Broadway show, you know, I had to unlearn all of that stuff that I had just done with Smile. 
and had to break that all down and start from scratch. And that was really hard, but you know, Howard was, was incredibly patient with me and constantly encouraging me that you can do this, you know, you can do it. Cause I'd be like, I can't do this. I just, I don't think, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to kind of tone this all down. I, it's just too hard for me, you know, being on stage all my life. And he was like, you can do this, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get it done together. So thankfully he knew. (laughs) That's so great. And of course uh, you've had uh, tremendous opportunities to be able to play Ariel several times. And Vanessa has a question about one of the more recent times. Right. Well, we were so thrilled as fans to get to see you reprise your role as Ariel in Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet. We were just, everyone was so excited. Um, (laughs) What was, what was that experience like? Was it a challenge or, you know, what was it? It was two days of playing at the playground with Rich Moore and Clark Spencer, our director and our producer. I had so much fun in the studio with both of them. And Rich is a lot like Howard. So he was in the booth with me playing all the parts. And (laughs) we got to do some ad-libbing together and take the concept and kind of run with it. But they were both brilliant geniuses and they had such great ideas. And it was so fun to to take a different look at Ariel, keeping her integrity and the character and the essence of her, but putting her in sort of a different realm of interpretation, but still showing the respect, which I loved. It was very creative, a really great way to, to address this concept of having all of us together. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We laughed a lot at work. Yeah. And they were great too, because, um, you know, between Ron and John and myself and Glenn Keane, my animator, we're, we're the ones, and, and of course, Alan, I mean, we're the ones that know Ariel better than anybody else. And so there's been changeovers of, of employees and cast members, of course. So I loved that Rich and Clark were so respectful of Ariel to say, listen, nobody knows her better than you. So if this doesn't sound like her, if this isn't something she would say, please let us know. And, and I really appreciated that freedom without insulting or being, you know, pompous or anything like that, or to say like, I know more than you, but I, I appreciated their casting aside their ego and just saying, you know, we really want to pay tribute to Ariel and make sure that she's on the right track. And, and I really appreciated that. Well, I was, okay, so I was in the audience at D23 Expo in 2017 when- Oh, for the surprise? Yes. So (laughs) when they, when you all came together and, and it was a remarkable, it was a remarkable moment to introduce uh, what, what actually was the most electric moment in the audience for that entire animation panel with the princess scene with Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yes, yeah. that we talked about. Yeah. We had already experienced so much at D23 and then right. scene. Yeah, you should have, I mean, we were backstage because we hadn't seen the scene yet. So we're watching it behind the screen in reverse, you know, in a mirrored thing. Mm-hmm. And we're just howling because none of us had seen it. We'd all only been in the studios by ourselves and doing just our part. And we didn't even have the script. 
So you're only given your lines, you know, just obviously for, for copyright and safety and, and precautions and stuff. So we're all cracking up at each other because we had no idea what everybody else was doing in it. So we're back there just like hooting and hollering, having a great time because we, a lot of us had never met each other before. I'm, I'm really good friends with a few of the girls, but the rest of them, it was my first time to meet them. So to, to come one at a time, Yes. And to surprise You're the first. audience one <laughs> after the other after the other was so much fun. Because I was like, oh my gosh, wait till they know. They they think it's just I think I was the first You one. were the first one, yes. Okay. So they're probably thinking, oh, it's just, you know, it's old Jody and that's great. Oh. <laughs> but I knew that everybody was standing behind me in line. And so I thought, oh, they're gonna flip out when they find out who's behind me. <laughs> of course I can't say anything. So we did. We did. <laughs> But, but, the, but that moment, the whole thing was, it was the highlight yeah. for, me, for me, and I think everyone, it was just the highlight of that whole panel. Awesome. Uh, so good, so good. Well, good. so that's one of your D23 experiences. You've had a couple of others. Yes. Uh, like, yeah, so in 2011, it was the Disney Legend Award. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's important. So <laughs> magical. That was... Oh, that was unbelievable. I got the call from Chris Montan uh, from his secretary, his as assistant, and she had called and she's like, hold for Chris. And I'm like, oh. And in the meantime, Disney character voiceovers have been really cleaning house and, and, and making a lot of adjustments and changes. So when Chris calls, you know, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm being told that it's, it, it's time to retire. And so that's totally fine. So I immediately took that. I was like, hey, Chris, I know why you're calling and, and it's great. And I've had a great ride. So don't worry about it. And um, yeah, no problem. And he's like, what are you talking about? And, and I said, well, you're, you know, letting me go. And, that, and that's fine. I've had a great, great run. And he's like, no, I was actually wondering if you would be our guest at the Disney Legends Awards. And I'm thinking, oh, so like to, to host or to introduce somebody and he's like, no, to get a Legends Award. Well, I kind of like dropped the phone and then I picked the phone up and I'm like, I think I said like, I thought you had to be dead to get this or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, are you, do you know something? Like, does that mean like I'm getting fired and I'm getting this award because I'm getting fired? I didn't really understand the whole concept. So he's like, no, no, no. And he goes, well, are you going to say yes? And I'm like, well, of course I'm going to say yes. I just don't really understand why I'm getting this award. Um, so it was a complete shock, a complete shock. I really, I, I still just kind of shake my head because there's so many people I work with at Disney that I need the, to give them this award, you know, literally. I mean, everybody that made it possible for me. So I, I still just kind of go, yeah, I, I really want to clone this and give it to like 20 people that have been part of the reason why I'm even here. And so when it came time, I think I was the last one of our group to do the acceptance speech. I had to go to the, the producer and the stage manager and I had to tap her on the shoulder and I'm like, listen, sweetie, I said, I know that it's like a 90 second, whatever I said, but it's not going to happen in 90 seconds. I, I have got to thank people you know, and she looked at me and she's like, you've been here long enough. It's okay. You go ahead. And I said, well, I'm just going to apologize ahead because I wanted to say thank you to so many people that 
you know, were the reason why I was standing up there on stage. So they were gracious to let me go a little bit longer than the time I was supposed to go. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah. I, I've been here a long time and well, sir. I need to say thank you too. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's such a wonderful honor and honestly, well, so well deserved. Well, you're very kind. Well, and that's very sweet. Of on you behalf of everyone, thank you. It was it was a glorious day. It really was. It was a really really special weekend. And then last year, uh, so we're like yeah. at the one year anniversary. So it was the 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 Little Mermaid anniversary panel last year. So that so was inviting you back. I think that's a good thing. Oh my isn't gosh, it? that was so much fun. It was our thirtieth anniversary celebration. And initially I thought, I thought that I was just going and singing the song and saying, thank you so much. Well, it turned out when I got there that I was actually the mistress of ceremonies <laughs> and that I was hosting the hour long event where I was handed um, a book of script <laughs> and it was like in two days. And I was like, Okie dokie. This is not quite what I thought it was going to be, but we're going to roll with it. Thankfully, the director was so sweet and so kind. She's like, Jody, you can do this. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to make this work. We're going to make this work. We're going to get rid of the script. We're going to just put some bullet points up on my little screen there that's going to give me little triggers, but you're just going to have to let me be me. You're just going to have to let me talk to the audience and I can do that, you know, but if you're going to give me a book of a script and say, memorize it in 48 hours, that's not going to be real. I want this to be real. And I want this to be a celebration with the fans um, that we can join in this celebration together. So we had a lot of fun with that. It was a little crazy, a little bit stressful, <laughs> but ultimately um, we had a blast. And it was so funny because, you know, the animators and the directors and everybody that I'm introducing, nobody wants to talk. So they're just like, why don't we make it a Q&A panel and you do all the talking and then we don't ever have to look at the prompters. So the guys tell me that like at the final dress rehearsal that morning, you know what, Jody, we don't want to look at the screen. I'm like, none of you, you know, there's like eight of them. And they're like, no, why don't you just turn it into a Q&A? And I'm like, okay, I can do that. I can do that for all of you. I will make all of your lives easier. <laughs> so it, oh. was, it was so crazy and I've never watched it and I didn't want to watch it. They sent it to me and I'm like, no, I don't think we're going to watch that one because it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. And I'm sure I made a ton of mistakes because I'm, I'm working with a puppet, you, so. a puppet Sebastian and puppet Sebastian already has pre-recorded his lines. So I have got to memorize the stuff with the puppet because otherwise I'm going to be talking to him and they're going to push play and it's not going to, you know, it's not going to make any sense. So we had, <laughs> had a little fun with that and the puppeteer, he's behind me going like, he's doing Sebastian <laughs> and he's looking at me like, what the heck are you saying? It's not going at all with our script. And I'm like, eventually I'll say something. So I'm like shooting the breeze with Sebastian and I can just see them in the back. Like, you know, we're up against the clock, yeah. um, but that's live theater. What are you going to do? It's all I mean, good. I'm like, Hey it's guys, you know, I just found out two days ago. Yeah, so it's all right. good. I'm going to do my best. Well. 
we'll do you know best. that I'm Ariel and we're just, we, Sebastian and I just have to catch up a little bit. We just need to do a Zoom call or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was just like, and I, the poor puppeteer, he's a good friend of mine. He was just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, he's behind the rock and I'm like sweating bullets going, what is my line? What's my next line? Yeah, wow. it was crazy. Wow. It was, it was well, crazy. But it was well fun. received. Well received. Well, okay. I do have a little bit of a follow up, real quickly. Um, and you kind of mentioned this, that, but the question I have is: Do you and all the other princesses, now that you know each other, kind of hang out together? And it is, is it like the coolest club ever? Is there like? Well, a it is a great club. Uh, Paige and I have been friends for forty years, so we've always been friends. Linda and I became friends about. Shortly after Legends, we became good friends and we started doing cons together. Then Irene joined in on the cons with us. So there's the four of us. So we actually have a group chat, the four of us. That's great. Yeah, we're really, really good friends because we do travel with our agency and with, um, for Linda and Paige and I, with the Legends, we travel. And of course, not now with pandemic, but... Um, when we do those events together, they're really fun. And again, Paige and I have been friends for a really long time, as long as I've, I've known my husband. And um, they played in Oklahoma, the national tour of Oklahoma and Toronto together. She was Ado, and he was the standby for Will. So I've known her before I got married. Yeah. So cool. we've been friends that a long time. Cool. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, if it is like the movie, it's like there's a princess club that's like Club 33 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I know we'll keep it just between, you know, the four of us and our listening and video audience, but um, is there a club like that? You can blink once for yes or twice. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Right? You, just yeah. made, you just made a lot of Disney fans uh, squeal in their car or whatever. They think there's a group chat between some Disney princesses. We do um, have a Disney princess group chat. Yes, we do. And uh, we miss each other so much. You know, we've been yeah, doing Zooms together and then we get off the Zoom and then we all start crying because we're like, I miss you. Yeah. I miss not being able to see you and, you know, give you a hug and stuff. But we've got to do the best we can with this, with this uh, crazy pandemic time. Absolutely. Um, you've also had the opportunity to work with Pixar uh, as Barbie. And so yeah. that's a different kind of role because uh, you were kind of developing between you and Howard, you were mm -hmm. developing Ariel uh, and right. no one really knew who Ariel was. So many right. people have preconceived notions of Barbie and what Barbie yes. is. So what's that, what's that like? Is it a different process <laughs> to get in? Well, it was, headspace? it was pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Pixar came looking for me. I did not audition. I just got a call through John Lasseter and through our director and with, with less than everything with Lee and uh, Darla, our um, producers. And they just called and said, you know, we want you to be Barbie. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, we heard Ariel. We love Ariel. We know that Barbie's inside there somewhere. I'm like, okay. Well, they didn't know. When I went to work the first day, there was a Mattel rep there. And the Mattel, because Mattel had been invited to be part of the original Toy Story, but they had uh, turned that down. And then they gave permission for Barbie to be in two and three, and then did not give permission for Barbie to have uh, her speaking voice and be in four with, with the voice. For some reason, I don't really know. But anyway, so I go to work the first day and John Lasseter has a box of Barbies with Lee. And so we just kind of start playing with these Barbies and they have a script, but we're really just playing with it and figuring it out. 
And in the meantime, there's a Mattel rep there because she says to me, the reason why I'm here is because it's very, very important. Um, it's the first time Barbie has ever had a voice in all these decades of this. And I said, well, actually, that is not the case. <laughs> so because I think in 19, whatever it was, was it 1990 or 89, 90, like right after Mermaid, I did a workout video for Barbie. There's a Barbie workout video on a VHS somewhere. I don't have it, but I've seen it. I've, I've heard about it and I, I recorded it. So I'm telling Mattel, no, actually I did Barbie's first original voice on this workout video. Well, they didn't know it and Pixar didn't know it that I had already given Barbie a voice. So we kind of all thought that that was, you know, pretty funny. So we just kind of, played with these Barbie dolls in a box and kind of came up with what she would sound like and really made her vulnerable and authentic and real. And um, that she's very strong, has a strong personality. And we kind of wanted to work against what people thought Barbie would be like when you look at her. So it was, a, it was definitely a collaboration between all of us. A successful Great. collaboration, and in the outtakes, the, yeah. the Barbie flight attendant is a yes. classic. <laughs> so. And all that's all that's ad libbed. That's oh, wow. all. All of that's us good. just kind of throwing things into the pot. You know, um, okay, ready. You know, take two, 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 five, go. And so just kind of played, and and somebody would throw something out. I'd take it and I'd run with it for a while, and. So we, we spent a lot of time laughing. I, I'd love to hear all the takes on that because we had, we had a wide range. <laughs> Vanessa, you had another role you wanted to uh, discuss with her or ask her about. Well, in, in learning about your career, I just was shocked because I am such a, was such a huge fan of Thumbelina growing up. And I was like, oh my gosh, she was Thumbelina too. <laughs> so I just wanted to ask, how was that experience different from Ariel? Very different. And again, I did not audition for that. Mermaid had just come out and Don Bluth um, came looking for me. And um, I just was pretty blown away that I had gotten this role without, you know, an audition or anything. So the first day I walk in and there's Barry Manilow. Well, I had every Barry Manilow LP and I knew all of his songs. And I don't get starstruck very easily, but I was shaking. I was shaking. And he was at the piano and he stood up and he's like, oh my gosh, Jody, it's so nice to meet you. I loved your work on The Little Mermaid. I'm so excited to her. And I was just like, I, I, I could barely talk. And I'm like, yes, sir. I'm, I'm such a huge fan. I grew up with all of your albums. And I was such a nervous wreck singing with him at the piano. Um, he kept calming my nerves down. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And people think that I had to have my voice altered for that electronically through the, no, that's me. <laughs> I made myself sound that small with that kind of a sound to match the size of her, you know, the, right. the size of your thumb. And so I it was, it was very challenging and um, but I had a wonderful, wonderful friend um, that John Pomeroy, who was an animator, 
for Disney and then had moved over to Don Bluth, who stepped in because we were friends and stepped in as my director. And he's, he was a wonderful director, very much like Howard, very hands-on, really getting me into that emotion. And we did get to record with the other cast members several times, which was really helpful because normally you're by yourself. Um, and then, of course, John played all the parts for me as well. But Thumbelina was great. Working with Barry Manilow is truly a dream come true. And uh, oh, man. yeah, I'll I, never I, forget that. <laughs> I, so we still have his records that we'll put on. Yeah. So that's so huge. That's such a great story. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. So talented and so humble and real and normal, just like a normal person. He really was. Wow. And, and I, I loved getting to work with him. Yeah. That's wonderful. Brett, you had some kind of rapid fapid-fire uh, Disney questions you wanted to Oh, okay. Ask. This is just oh, for fun. Yeah, this is, is just like for fun. Yeah, this okay. is yes. Okay. I'll try so, my best. Do I win a prize? <laughs> well, uh, to be determined. We'll okay. talk with our <laughs> staff and all of that. So uh, staff, we need to talk about this. We didn't think about that part. But we will work on that and get back with you. If okay. you win. <clears throat> I like candy. You like it? Oh, well, hey. Well, that's good. Okay. Candy's good. Candy's cheap. Okay. <laughs> so let's see. So what are your top two favorite attractions? Because we probably know what one of them is. Everest. Uh-huh. Everest edition. Um, at Animal Kingdom. Yes. A roller coaster. Unbelievable. And then... If I pick a non-roller coaster, it would be all the roller coasters, but okay. definitely Expedition Everest is number one okay. by far. Okay. But if I pick a non-roller coaster, mm -hmm. it's the Finding Nemo musical. I oh, see that every so time good. I go and my family <laughs>, laughs at me. In fact, my uh -huh. son just said yesterday, what if Finding Nemo doesn't come back? Mm. And I was like, don't say that. <laughs> he was laughing at me. I said, yeah. don't say that. Don't say that. He goes, oh, then we don't have to go. But <laughs> like, oh, go with me. I, I just go by myself. Sure. Um, well, absolutely. I just go by myself. I'll go my with VIP, you. Those my are VIP great. guide less. <laughs> yeah. My VIP guide less, Sui. He'll sit with me. That will be good. Nobody yeah. else in my family. My daughter will sit with me, too. She'll sit with me every time I go. Well, that's she's, a, musical, she's musical theater major, so oh, she, how cool. you know, she yeah. loves that. Yeah. Yep. So that would probably be the top two at Walt well, Disney World. Mm -hmm. Number one at Disneyland yes. is California yes. Screaming, which is now called the Incredicoaster. Incredicoaster, yes. And wow. love it. Yeah. Cool. That's good. Okay. That's great. Well, I, I have a, I have a uh, four-year-old and it's in my dream that someday we can sing Big Blue World together uh, and that hopefully that, that happens and then I can, yes. uh, I can at you least. You can make it happen in your living room. So you can make it happen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'll force oh. you to sing this kid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, okay. So favorite Disney nighttime entertainment parade or show fantastic yep mm -hmm. yes absolutely it love it da -da 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 it's perfect that's good it is the cleanest show it's so good barnett ritchie did a wonderful yes Job yes, 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 yes. I've worked with Barnett many, many, many years, many times. 
Yeah, um, so good. And I was there when she got her Legends Award, actually. Yes, I was so happy. Yeah. I'm like, like I, I, the people that I that I see like that, that like that. Yeah, that I told them. I told the people I know, I'm like going, Barnett Ritchie is very important. And she is, she is responsible for Fantasmic. So you must yes. have heard very loudly. Yes. She must, she must have her Legends Award. I yeah. told her that at the Legends Luncheon. I said, it's about time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you mine. You should have had mine <laughs> years and years ago. <laughs> so let's see. The other two quick rapid fire mm-hmm. questions. Favorite Disney films? Do you have a couple? I know of one, but you can even say it or, you know. <laughs> uh, well, of course, I love my films. No, there's, yeah. that, that, that goes without saying, obviously. Okay. Love Little Mermaid, love Toy Story 2, love Toy Story 3. Um, but I, I'm a huge fan of Cinderella. So I grew up with Cinderella. That's my, that's my girl. That's my era. So that's a very, very special film. And um, as far as... Other animated, I really, I really enjoyed Frozen One, mm-hmm. the the original Frozen, very mm-hmm. much so. Love that story. Yep, absolutely. Love that music. Yes. Okay, this is um, it's a little bit controversial. We're not even going to talk about that here at Beyond the Mouse. But um, your favorite Disney park snacks? Churros. Mm. Ah, oh, right. love a, a good churro. Disneyland um, in really particular. Like the- the churro at um, on my way to Splash Mountain and Big Thunder. It's on the right hand side, and it's a little cart. And then they give you the hot chocolate sauce ah. to dip it in. So yes. that's, that's super perfect. yummy. That's our okay. favorite snack. Well, you've survived the rapid fire questions. Good job with that. And uh, we each have one more question to wrap up with you. And uh, just so wonderful that you've given us so much time. But Vanessa, you had a final question for her. Yes. Well, you have had such a stellar career. Is there a moment that you aren't often asked about, but you would like to share with us? Um, Maybe even your cameo in Enchanted. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, Enchanted was super fun. It, I, I kind of forget about that project, but it was super fun. Kevin Lima was one of our animators on Little Mermaid. And so he wanted to make these like little surprise show ups of the princesses. So super creative. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. Never been in front of a camera like that before. Um, made a lot of mistakes, but he was so kind and so patient with me. And then they ended up uh, bringing me back for another little scene with Patrick, which was really fun. And uh, I had a great time working on that. Just, I had never done anything like that before. So it was fun to try something new. And, um, but Enchanted was really, really a great time. I, I, I had a blast. That is so great. Uh, so you mentioned that the Little Mermaid turned 30 in 2019. Right. And you also spoke a little bit about how you uh, weren't necessarily expecting it to have the impact that it did. But it certainly is just such a pivotal moment in the Walt Disney Company, in so many children's lives. It is such an impactful film all the way around. So just your your thoughts on the impact of the film, and maybe if you have a great fan story or two that you wanted to share as well. Well, I have tons of fan stories uh, through the last four decades. You know, I mean, it's just been crazy, the people that I've met all around the world. But the impact of the film, the impact of the character is is overwhelming to me. You know, we're on our fourth generation and it is such a privilege to, I get to have this little sneak peek into people's lives. 
that's what I enjoy. I enjoy hearing their story of what the film means to them, what the character means to them. So when they meet me, I get to hear that. And it's sort of like the curtain gets pulled back and I get to be just a teeny part of their story and of, of what makes them uh, so unique and so individual. And I don't take that lightly. So my responsibility to represent the film, represent the character, it, it's, a, it's a big responsibility to me because I, I do want to keep the integrity and the character of, of Ariel going strong and, and leave that legacy, you know, long after me, she's going to be here. So I'm just grateful I got to come along for the journey and along for the ride. And I do have, I have a really strong fan base that's near and dear to my heart are the physically challenged and um, a lot of my fans on the spectrum of all age ranges. And they've made this connection with Ariel because she is part of a world wanting something different and reaching for something beyond and reaching for something outside of the box, so to speak. And I think the reason why my wonderful fans on the spectrum relate to her is because they, they too are living their life outside of the norm, outside of a box, so to speak, that it's so precious to me. And I, I absolutely love hearing their stories from, their, from them and from their parents and their grandparents, how they learned to speak how they've learned to socially interact because of watching this film and the character. And then when they meet me, they make that instant correlation that I am Ariel and it's really precious. It's just a really precious, it's, um, it, I'm going to use the word sacred. And the way I mean it is that it's humbling when I meet fans that are so intimately connected with Ariel developmentally, as far as their growth, their mental growth, their emotional growth, their physical growth, learning to walk and things like that. So it's, it's a very precious moment when we make that connection. Just amazing. That's so, that's so great. Uh, and I know uh, just all of your work with Gig Kids the World and, and the charitable work that you do, just um, wonderful, wonderful things. Uh, Brett, you have our final question. Well, wow. Um, well, kind of what you're talking about is kind of what my question's about. Um, how do you describe Disney magic? I know there could be a whole podcast on that, but there are so many things and feels. But what do you think are some of your Disney magic experiences? What does, how do you My personal that? Disney magic experiences? Actually, yeah, however you'd like to take that. There's kind of- Well, first of all, I think Disney magic is alive and well, and it needs to live within imagination. We need to go along that journey and kind of let go of the physical parameters of our, of our brain, so to speak. So that when I walk into a park, whichever one it is, I need to kind of let go of rules and regulations and should this, could this, you know, adult rules and all of that and grab my daughter's hand and start skipping, you know, <laughs> skipping because 
I can skip. And I wear my aerial t-shirts every single day because I can't wear them anywhere else. I wear ears every day. I just started wearing ears the last two trips because the ones before were giving me headaches, but now they've come up with really comfortable ones. And a friend had given Delaney for her high school graduation aerial ears, and she let me wear them. And that was really, really magical. So I think it's just letting go. I think it's the chance that adults and kids alike get to let go of everything, the stress, the strain, the this, the that, and jump in wholeheartedly and not really worry about what anybody else is thinking or what they're looking at or how they look at me in my aerial t-shirts at my age. People can make fun. I don't care. You know, I, I just, I don't really care what anybody thinks because I'm here and I'm jumping in and I'm going along for the ride. And the time that I saw Disney magic was watching it. Uh, was that, sorry, no, is watching okay. it through your kids' eyes yeah, and watching them meet Mickey Mouse for the first time, okay. you know, as babies and children, watching my son meet Bear in the Big Blue House from the Disney Channel. Okay. I mean, I just could not believe at you know, 15 months old, that he is just like, <sighs> and the seven dwarfs, you know, he met his dwarfs <laughs> and he danced with the dwarfs and watching that through your child's eyes. I mean, I've got, <laughs> you know, I have this opportunity for Mickey to, to kiss my baby girl. I've got Julie Andrews holding my baby girl Delaney, you know, and just talking to her. And that was Disney magic at its most beautiful moments is watching it through your kid's eyes or a child's eyes. Um, my, my niece uh, unfortunately passed away from pediatric cancer. Smiley for Kylie, she was turning 13. So our last trip to Disney with her in her wheelchair with her beautiful little bald head, taking off her hat and riding Everest Expedition Everest with me. And I'm videotaping her on the whole ride. And she's like, Aunt Jody, you're going to lose your phone. I'm like, oh, no, girl, I know how to videotape on a ride. I've got my little you know, ring thing. And I'm, I'm like this the whole time. I watch that thing all the time. Watching her, she's like, she took off her little stocking cap. And I said, you're going to get cold because it's cold on this ride, you know, and it was just, it was uh, November. It was November. So it was cold. And she's like, no, I love doing this ride. And I want to take it off because I want to feel the wind rush on my bald head. And I was like, yeah, girl, that's my girl. So, I mean, I'm videotaping her screaming at the top of her lungs with her hands up in the dark, up and down, all around. And we finished the ride and she's just like, you know, that's Disney magic. And, and, and the only way you're going to be able to experience that is you have to let everything else go. You've got to jump in. You can't stop and sit there and go, oh, this is just an amusement park. This is just a ride. This is just an attraction. That's just somebody in a costume. And, you know, I need to present myself in a, in a certain way. No, you need to skip and jump and you need to dance. Whenever music is on, you just start dancing. And the kids used to say, oh, mom, that's so embarrassing. Oh, mom, don't do that. And now 
they jump in with me. They jump in with me. They are now learning at 19 and 21. Who cares what anybody else thinks? You want to jump and go cray cray with Frozone or whatever his name is over there. Just get in that dance party and do it because life is short, you know, mm -hmm. it's short. And I think once they lost their cousin, I think that that really triggered something that you got to make the most of every magical moment that you can. So yeah. that's kind of, those are just my thoughts. <laughs> it's so good to hear that you skipped because my friend Maureen and I skipped too. We skipped yeah. out and we took pictures of it. We had the, we went to the, the photo pass people. Okay. We're going to skip down main street, the center of main yeah. street. Can you do that? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're great pictures. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. More yeah. skippers. Priceless. Yeah. It's just priceless. It's, it's really, it is magic, but you got to jump in to, to enjoy it. What a great message. And, and thank you so much for your time with us today. You know, I, sure. um, it, it's so fun because I'm seeing those films for the first time through my son's eyes. And, and we took him to Disney world when he was uh, two and a half. And you, you see, he got to ride uh, the little mermaid uh, ride oh, and just absolutely loved it. And then uh, last year when they did the live uh, version yes. of little mermaid that you were recognized at, of course. And um, it's so cool because he's like, daddy that's ariel and like you know that's this is and it's just so so neat and like so now he um it's on disney plus right now and, and he always yes. goes i want to see the live ariel it was such a yeah. cool so, oh, so thank so you I'm, I'm, you're so welcome i'm so glad that he enjoyed it and and that he's joining in on the family we appreciate that absolutely thank you so much uh jody well, thank you for being all Thank you guys so much, all three of you. It's been a wonderful time to visit with all of you, our hometown Illinoisans, and uh, so thrilled that we get to share this time together. Thanks so much for your support of the film and the character. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. What a truly fantastic and marvelous and genuine and heartwarming person we just got to the opportunity to speak with. Uh, it was just absolutely incredible to get a chance to chat with Jody Benson. She is so magnanimous. Uh, she's so great. It, I, I have so many words uh, that I could use to describe her. She's just such a genuine, wonderful person. Uh, I, Brett, help me here. Talk to me about our interview with Jody Benson and your thoughts. I don't know. It's just for a second. It was like Ursula stole your voice. Anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, no, there are no words really simply. She is, she is so humble and kind and so gracious to give us so much of her time today. And uh, we, Craig, you wanted a, you wanted a princess and we got you one. So, <laughs> so happy. I'm just so kind. It was so kind. So Jody, if you're listening, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Just thank you. Uh, it, it has been kind of a goal of mine to be able to talk to uh, Disney Princess. And, and we talked to the person that had a chance to establish what the modern day Disney Princess was and is and, and what that means to so many different people. And she's shared so many insights into the creative process of a lot of her different roles, but in particular, Ariel, and just so wonderful. Uh, Vanessa, thoughts? Oh, wow. She is humble, kind, 
a true Disney fan, you really get that sense about her that she is just like one of us. And uh, she made me cry. I was in tears with her stories because they were just so sweet and special and touching. And I just, uh, she's just wonderful. Just what a wonderful experience. She's exactly what you hope a Disney princess to be. Exactly. You know, you, you have no idea going into an interview, um, the type of person you're going to be speaking to because we see these people in their public personas in their public life. And certainly this was still a public interview, but at the same time, you can just tell how much she cares for this character and, uh, that, this persona that she has uh, and the fact that they have like a Disney princess group chat just oh, warms my heart. So that, was so, that. that was so good. I'm like going blink once for yes. No, <laughs> it is so wonderful. And thank you again to Jody Benson for spending some time with us. So, and thank you for listening Of course, you can find Beyond the Mouse on any of our social media networks. You can find us on Beyond the Mouse Podcast on Facebook. You can also look on Instagram, Beyond the Mouse Pod. We do a lot of posts there, and it's a lot of fun to join in. So please come and follow us there. Of course, we are part of the Front Row Network, so you can find them by searching on all social media platforms, the Front Row Network. And you can always find us at nprillinois.org, where you'll find some articles, wonderful articles written by Vanessa Ferguson, if you haven't checked them out. (laughs) so good at the writing you do such a great job well (laughs) thank you and thank you so much for continuing to help us grow the show by subscribing to the podcast and also telling your friends about it it's been such a wonderful experience to get not only to talk to the people that we get to interview but also to reach out and communicate with you it's so much fun we love hearing from listeners for the show so make sure to shoot us a message or even send us an email at beyondthemousepod at gmail.com i don't know how to end this episode because i'm just so happy <laughs> so- i know i know <laughs> i don't know well and we'll do the usual and then we'll see you real soon Anyway, absolutely. We better we better get along before to that. we just start crying with our happiness. <laughs> For Beyond the Mouse podcast, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa, and I'm Brett, and we will see you real soon under the sea, right? No copyright infringement intended. <laughs> Fair use.